Welcome to the Queens of Moxie, a podcast all about empowering women to reclaim their moxie, their power. I'm Mary Kay Campbell, and I'm the host of this program. Each week, we'll talk with amazing women who have reclaimed their moxie, overcome challenges, and are living their best life. So let's get started. We're here today with Latrice Schmidt, who is just a great friend of mine and also a dynamo. And um, I'm not sure how we're going to get through this interview without lots of laughter. And um, we're both people who fill up a room. So um, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to, to have her here today. And, and to give you just a little bit of background about Latrice, she was in the Air Force for 33 years. She was the Air Force Reservist. And she retired just this last July, July 1st of 2022. Um, And interestingly enough, she was injured for the last eight years of of that time. Um, But because she uh, was a superintendent, she just stayed home base and and didn't get deployed. Um, Over the years, she she did get deployed four times. Um, During Desert Storm and Desert Shield, she was in Florida. And then she was in Iraq after 9-11. Hawaii, which, you know, I don't know. I'm not so sure that's really considered a deployment, um, was there for the evacuation of troops during the tsunami. And she was also in Africa one time. Um, But because she was a reservist, she also had a full-time job. And over the years, she uh, worked in accounting, uh, was a certified volleyball officiant and um, all kinds of different things. And so she spent most of her life, well, actually really in two different places. She was in California for the latter half of the last 25 years. And then 25 years before that, she was in her home um, state of Texas. She has two children. Her son, Israel, is 23. Her daughter, Asia, is 26. Um, And she is married to Joel. Um, they got married in July of 2019. You know, uh, they met in Iraq. But, you know, I have to say, <laughs> I can't imagine getting married and then the pandemic hitting. Um, <laughs> like, what What a shock to your system um, to, to have been divorced and living on your own. And then all of a sudden, you're not only married, but you're stuck inside going nowhere uh with your new spouse so no matter what my hats are off to you Um, (laughs) and you know i have to say i love i love the story about how you got into the air force um because i know you well enough to know that i'd be like oh yeah i could totally see you you doing this but uh but tell well first tell us about you were in the services aspect of the air force which means that you basically were working in what the civilian world would call customer service, the services. So hospitality, food service. I love how it's MWR, morale, welfare, and recreation, which is like gym stuff. And then mortuary, which um, (laughs) as I said earlier, I know it's customer service, but it just seems like a very strange pairing um, with the hospitality and food and things like that. Um, But what I want you to do first is is to tell us why it is that you got into the military in the first place. My dad was Navy, and I had a lot of my uncles on my mom's side that were also all four branches of the service. Um, one summer, my cousin came uh, to visit because he had a schooling to go to in the Army. And he and my dad were chit-chatting and I, you know, was just asking questions. And 
My cousin told me, he goes, yeah, you would never make it in the army. You're a buckle five soaking wet. You drown in some of the water. And my dad laughed. My dad was like, so very true. Plus, you're a little girly girl. I'm like, I'm your girly girl, but I'm in the neighborhood hanging out with, you know, the guys on the block, you know, jumping cars, jumping fences, playing football. So when they laughed, I was just like, challenge accepted. Yeah, little, little <laughs> did they know. You know, I, I know you well enough, Latrice, to know that you put a challenge in front of you and you are not stepping down. And I didn't. And this, mm-hmm. the funny thing about it was I went we and uh, talked to the recruiter, which the recruiter was a friend of the family. Mm-hmm. So I told him, I said, don't say anything to my parents. You know, I'm just, you know, want to find out everything I can find out. And lo and behold, I was just like, okay, I'm doing this. Went home, told my dad, I got an appointment to go to that I need you to, to come and be a witness. And he had no idea. He thought I was playing. He literally thought I was playing <laughs> when we got to the recruiter's office and I started swearing in and my dad was like, this is for real? I was like, it's for real. When I left for basic training, my dad just was so angry at me that he didn't even really see me off. Aww. I literally had to go in his room and tell him goodbye. And he's like, bye. Now, why was he angry? Because challenge accepted. He didn't think I was going to go through with it. So that made him angry that you did? That I did. And I, I think a little bit, too, was the fact that I was the last child. Yeah. I was the baby girl. Mm-hmm. You know, and now granted, I come from, my dad was previously married, so I have five other siblings from that marriage, and then my two siblings from him and my mom. Now, my two siblings from him and my mom, they were both ROTC. Mm. Neither one of them went in. I never did ROTC, and I was the one that went in. Interesting. <laughs> well, and so, you know, you would not have, you wouldn't have gone in the military had you not gotten that challenge. Exactly. But I don't think he saw it as a challenge either. Right. You know? Right. He was just like, yeah, you never make it. And just, yeah. Just don't discount us. But, exactly. You know? I'm all like, mm, I'm not, yeah. You know, it's that whole uh, Christopher Robin quote, you know, I'm going to get it wrong, but you're smarter than you think, you're stronger yeah. than you know, you're, I, I don't yeah. remember it all, but um, don't, don't second guess us. Women are strong and powerful. powerful. Yes. And that's what Queens of Moxie is all about is, is helping women to embrace those qualities and to live your authentic life. And so I love the fact that you made a career out of something that was just a throw-off comment from your family. Yeah, I was surprised myself because I never saw myself actually doing 20 years and I never saw myself at the rank that I ended up. Mm-hmm. You know, as an E-8, which for in the Air Force, that's a senior master sergeant. I never literally wanted to gain the rank. Hmm. I just wanted to do the job. Yeah. And it wasn't until I made E7, I was just like, oh, wait. I am pretty daggone good at my job. I can make E8, mm-hmm. maybe even E9. I'm going to go for it. But it took that mm-hmm. as well as, 
you know, really accepting conversations from not just some of the leadership that I had over my career, but even some of my civilian supervisors. Mm -hmm. You know, you got it. You just got to see it in yourself. Mm -hmm. We see it. Right. And so when we give you these tasks and things to do, Mm-hmm. It's not because we're picking on you or because you're the only one that we know is going to complete the task. Mm-hmm. It's because we know you can do it and you're going to do more. You're not just mm-hmm. going to do what's asked of you. And I never I never saw that in myself for a very long time because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I didn't have that confidence. Yeah, yeah. Well, and do you think that your desire to not only do what's asked of you, but to go above and beyond to, to exceed expectations. Do you think that came as a result of the military or do you think you had that inherently and the military helped to bring that out even more and and shine a light on it? I think I had that inherently Mm -hmm. just by looking at the things that my mom did as a kid Mm -hmm. and that my dad, you know, did Mm -hmm. We were, we never, they gave us a bar to meet and you got praised, but you didn't get praised enough to where your head got big. Right. You know, and you thought you were all of that. You know, growing up, I ran track and my mother was our, my coach Mm -hmm. for me and my siblings. So that's the hardest coach you'll ever have in your life. (laughs) So these other coaches, you know, like, you know, why aren't you mad? Or why aren't you, you're not sweating. I'm like, "Uh, trust me, I'm sweating, but I'm not going to tell you, you're not going to run me as hard as my mother will ever run me. Right. So when I was 10, I was third in nationals. Wow. So, it was like, oh, I'm good. And my dad's like, you let that other little girl beat you. That's why you're third. Oh. You did all right. But realize you still have work to do. Don't think that you're that great that you won't ever have more work to do. Because even when you make it to number one, huh. you've got to work harder to stay number one. Yeah. So yeah. you're good, but you're not that great. I'm proud of you. Yeah. But don't ever think that you don't ever have to stop working yeah. to yeah. be good at something. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what my parents instilled. Sure, sure. Don't ever stop working yeah. to be good. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I hear that and I'm like, yes, we absolutely want to continue to improve. And, you know, I'm a lifelong learner and I'm always going to take classes and attend webinars and read books and do things to improve my knowledge and increase that and and as well as learn new skills whether they're business related or personal Um, but I am also a recovering perfectionist and so when I hear that it makes me go oh gosh Um, you know how do you balance that desire to continue to improve upon yourself and your skills and ability while also loving yourself and recognizing that you have value, even if it's not perfect. Oh, I know I I'm asking the tough questions. Yeah. I don't know. I think I can honestly say probably in my twenties and early thirties, 
I did not know how to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And I think that really came more so once my kids started to get into high school. Mm-hmm. I felt like I didn't know who I was mm-hmm. and where I wanted to go anymore. Mm-hmm. And I also started to to see and feel like, oh, you're Earl's wife. Mm. You're Asia's mom. Mm-hmm. You're Israel's mom. Yeah. Like I didn't, I no longer had my own identity. Right. And I lost myself in the process of being sister, mm-hmm. daughter, wife, mother, friend. Yep. I lost myself being everything for everybody else yes. and trying to take care of everybody else that I didn't know how to love myself. Right. And it wasn't until I went to therapy mm-hmm. to try and save my marriage. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I wasn't going, like I said, I wasn't going to, I was going to save my marriage. I wasn't going to learn about me. Right. I wasn't going to find out I had lost myself. Yeah. The clearest thing that the therapist told me was, you've put on all the hats, never taking off one to breathe and realizing Mm -hmm. that you had put on some other hat. Yep. He says, they're all stacked on top of your head and all you do is you switch them. They're on your head, but you just switch them around. Yes. He said, you take the the front of this bill and put it here and then you switch it all back and then you put it back. Mm -hmm. He goes... You don't know who you are because you stopped loving you. Yeah, yeah. And I had to figure that out. And when I did start to figure that out, everybody started to get disappointed in me. Oh, how tough is that? Exactly. Yeah. Because I started to take care of myself. Right. You know, and and Queens of Moxie is all about you know, we've, we've spent our lives mm-hmm. pouring into everybody else, yep. filling up everyone else's cups. And, you know, for me, it took getting in that car accident to stop and get off that treadmill. Yeah. Um, and, and my goal is for other women to come to that love, that self-love without the traumatic event. Right. Uh, you know, whether it's a car accident, a cancer diagnosis, a divorce, whatever. Um, so it's impressive that you, you discovered this, um, and, and made the changes, but you also discovered it because you were trying to save your marriage. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, that was your first marriage, right? And it did end. And it did end. Yeah. And, and, you know, so often we get married really young and, we don't even really know who we are and we we go through life and we have kids and we have careers and we do these things and then you wake up and you go I don't know who I am let alone who you are well not yeah not only that and you find yourself changing yes. for others whether mm-hmm. it's your spouse your right. whatever significant other your kids right. your siblings your your parents you find yourself truly changing Mm -hmm. to fit in their mold right forgetting that you you removed yourself out of the mold that you were born in 
Right. You may not have known exactly what mold and how you were supposed to perform in that mold. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know and you, you mold yourself to what other people want and need, you'll never know the mold that was meant for you. Right, right. And, and women do that a lot. We do. We put so much on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, finding, find, and I truly don't know fully, fully all of where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing and who I am, but I do know what I'm not going to do anymore. Yes. Yes. That's what I do know. Yep. You know, and my ex-husband and I are friends. And there's a lot of times where I really am like, thank you. Mm -hmm. Because had it not been for trying to save my marriage, I would have never become who I am today. Right, right. Yeah. And, and that means a lot because I know what I want. I know how I want it. Mm -hmm. And I know where I want to go and what I want to do. Right, right. You may not necessarily know the path that you're going to take. Exactly. But you know, you know what the, I don't want to say parameters, but you, you know what it is that is going to bring you joy, that is going to fulfill you, that is going to allow you to be your authentic self. Right. You know, and, and I think about, I tell this story and, and I think it's, it's a really good example for people to think about. I am. Um, there is a, a relatively new co-working space downtown mm -hmm. and it is fabulous. It is beautiful. It is amazing. It is such a cool, cool space. And I toured it while it was being built. I know the executive director and I went in there and I worked for a day sometime in the, I don't know, it was still cold out cause I was in a sweater. So, you know, I yeah. don't know, February, March, whatever. And, um, I had a Zoom call and my earbuds died. And so I'm sitting on a couch in a common area and I, I'm talking as quietly as I can and I've got the volume as low as I can possibly have it. And he comes up to me when I'm done and he said, you know, next time you really need to go into the phone booth. And uh, which is like a designated area that, that literally looks like a phone booth. <laughs> it does, it, you know, it's this little closet kind of thing, yeah. but it's got soundproofing, you know, and everything. And, um, and for like a day and a half, I just beat myself up. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. You know, I felt he did not reprimand me like a child, but I felt like a, a child, child that had yeah. been reprimanded. And he was as delight, delightful as possible, wonderful person. He was not being critical. He was just saying, hey, next time. And, and, you know, I kept beating myself up. And then all of a sudden I had this epiphany of, you know what? I know I'm loud. I know I'm creative. I color outside the lines. I'm innovative. Like I step into a room and you know, I'm there truly. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is part of what value I bring to the table. I get people excited. I get people rallied behind things. I yeah. am enthusiastic and that spreads. Yeah. And having that epiphany moment meant, no, it's not that there's something wrong with me. No. It's that I wasn't in the right place. Right. I need to be somewhere like a coffee shop where it's okay if you're talking, where there's lots of activity, where there's lots of noise because it energizes me, but it's also yeah. just part of who I am. And I've also come to that realization that wherever I work, whoever I work with, 
it needs to be an environment that embraces that creativity, that innovation, yeah. that that different. Let's let's look at this, for, you know, on its side. Let's turn it over and see what's what's making it tick, you know. Exactly. And I think as we get older, the hope is that we can start to really say, okay, yeah, I'm loud for me, but or and that's where my value lies. No, but. It's an and. Exactly. I'm loud and I know that's where my value is. Exactly. I had, I was told one time um, by, this person wasn't even my, my troop, but they were telling me one of my troops was talking about me and they were like, she's loud and she doesn't do everything like everybody else. You know, they were basically complaining about me. And I told her, I said, you know what? I've always been loud. Yep. I'm the baby of my family. Mm -hmm. The baby gets the gravy. And the only way the baby's going to get the gravy is if you open up your mouth. Yep. And grandma always said a closed mouth does not get fed. Yeah. So, you know, I don't have a problem being loud. That's who I am. Right. Now, do I try to talk loud all the time? No. You know, but <laughs> I just got a big mouth. You know, I try not to offend people when right. I, you know, talk. But I'm also that person. Don't ask me if you really don't want to know. Because I'm going to be yes. honest with you. I'm yes. not trying to be hurtful. But I'm going to be honest. Right. And if you can't accept the honesty... You might want to look inward because it's not truly me. Right. You know, there's sometimes I'm very bluntful with it. Yes. Again, I'm getting it out. Don't ask if you don't want to know. Uh, Latrice, you are my soul <laughs> sister. You are absolutely my soul sister. Because I tell people all the time, if you don't want to know, don't ask me. Yeah. Like, don't really, ask. don't. Because... And, and I'm not trying to be mean about no. it. No. No. I, I... I'm, Honest is all get out. Yeah. And so I had to bring everybody together to let them know. I'm not here to offend you. The first thing I tell you is when you walk through that door, I am me. Right. My stripe is not who I am. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, I got to go home and look myself in the mirror. Right. Right. And if I drop dead today, mm -hmm. would you talk about the stripe and on my civilian job as a supervisor would you talk about the position that I held? No, you're going to talk about me as a person. Right. Whether you like me, whether you didn't like me, whether you were convinced to not like me or convinced to like me. Right. All of those are 25%, <laughs> which makes a whole. So there you go. That's yeah. me. Yeah. I'm Absolutely. that whole. And you can pick and choose. You know, in my 20s, Early 20s and, and growing up, did I really care if you liked me or not? Uh, a little bit. I did. <laughs> you know, there were some people that, yeah, I wanted you to like me. Yeah. But for the most part, nope, didn't care. It, that, that must be very refreshing because I don't think most people feel that way, especially that, came, that young. That came from my mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. They very much so was like, people aren't going to like you. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. You are you. Mm -hmm. You're lucky and to everybody, have that. 
And everybody don't have to like you. Right, right. You know, my mother was very much so, if you don't love yourself, nobody else is going to love you. Right. Well, there's a a meme that I I posted recently. I don't know. It's probably been six months. But it had um, a saying on a wall that said, you don't like everybody. So why do you expect everyone to like you? Let it go. Exactly. Let it go. And I thought, oh, my gosh. That is so true. I don't like everybody. So Mm -hmm. why, why, why would I think everyone should like me? Like that is a silly, silly thought Um, and standard that we, we hold ourselves to ourselves to. Yeah. Yeah. And that standard a lot of times pushes us away from the self care. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I have so, so much gotten into self care I stopped for a while and it was so funny because my current husband, when we were friends and we'd talk every now and then, and I would be like, oh, I'm going to go get a massage and I can't wait. You know, I got to go get my pedicure. I'm going to go get a manicure. I'm going to get my hair done. And he's all, dang, girl, you high maintenance. And I'm like, I am not high maintenance. You know, but he didn't understand a lot right. of the history behind my massages. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I have two herniated discs. My back hurts mm-hmm. very much a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And I've just literally gotten accustomed to the pain to where it's like, okay, threshold's up here. So once he actually started to get to know me even much more and took an interest in me, then he realized, oh, you're not high maintenance. You're, you're not even close yeah. to high maintenance. You're, ta- you're taking care of yourself. Right. right. And I'm like, yes, I, those are things that, you know, do I need to get a pedicure all the time? No. But do I like my feet to look pretty? Absolutely. Do I like them to look pretty for other people? Nope, because it's all about me. Yeah. Yeah. I like to look at my toe. I don't like people touching my feet, which is funny, but I like to get... <laughs> doesn't quite line up, but okay. It, it doesn't, and I know it, and it cracks him up. He's all like, going to get a pedicure? Yep. You can come along if you like. But I like my toes to look pretty. Right. I like to see the paint. But do you think that as women, we have been sold this bill of goods told whatever that taking care of yourself means that you're being selfish some of it yes but a lot of it no more Mm. so on the no and I'm going to go back to what we've seen Mm -hmm. growing up if you look back as women We've taken on a lot and oh yeah, no, no, no self-care goes back to if you, if you think about your grandmother, your mother, your grandmother, your great grandmother, and then the stories that you've heard about your great, great grandmother, just the stories of your, the women in your family, mm-hmm. they didn't do self-care either. They didn't. They took care of everybody. Right. And everything. And when the men were gone and out and about they handled the household, the right. farm. They did it all. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what self-care was. Right. 
So that's why so that's, I'm wondering why. See, I feel like we've been told if you take time for you, you're that you're selfish. being selfish. Nope. Because that was just the standard. And, right. And the, as we have grown and matured, we notice, you know, for them, you know, the men would go out, have a drink at the bar mm-hmm. with the, their friends. The women are still home taking care right. of everybody. I think the the turn came when more women started to recognize, wait, I need just a little break. Yeah. Even if it's an hour, I need a little break. I need to, ooh. But here's the thing. A lot of times, even when we take those little breaks, <laughs> those hours, our minds oh, I know. are still going. Yeah. So is it truly self-care? Are you, are you truly, you know, downloading and letting go to enjoy being with and by yourself, yeah. which so many women cannot do to this I day? Know. They don't know how to sit and be by themselves. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. Which is sad. How do you get to know you? But you know what? I don't know that I did that before my accident. And and you know, I think part of it for me is that I've been a single mom since my kids were two and five. They're seventeen and twenty. So for fifteen years, it was all me. Yeah. You know, and the pressure and the responsibility and running around trying to get, you know, one to baseball game and one to soccer and pick up the other one from the baseball game and then go get the one from soccer and miss all of the game because I'm running around. And, um, you know, and it's, it's that whole idea of if you continue to pour into everybody else, your pitcher is going to be empty and there's going to be nothing left for you or them. Yeah. Or them. But and that's so very true. It wasn't until my accident that I really got my head around what does that mean and how do I do it? I had done mindfulness for three or four years, maybe longer, but I couldn't meditate. And and I for for fifteen years really I've gone up to the mountain, um, you know, here in the Blue Ridge and I've journaled and, and sat quietly and and drew and did did some things. So I think in my own way, I did quiet my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and long before my accident, my license plate says, be still. And, yeah. it, and it has for years. So I knew the importance of it. I, I did find pockets of time to do it, but I didn't do it regularly. And I didn't rest in the pause as much as I should have or could it's have. Not, it's not only you. It wasn't only you. A lot of women do that. That's my point. They know mm-hmm. I need to, I need that time for myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have, you know, this day in October. Yeah. When my schedule allows, right. that's what I'm going to do. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's what we do. I am um, in a group chat with two of my military girlfriends and my sister, who is the baby of the first of my dad's first set mm-hmm. and the four of us you know leave messages on on marco polo for each other because we know we can't all just get on the phone and chit chat and every now and then one of us will remind all of us in the group self-care mm-hmm. self-care 
Don't yeah. forget to self-care sometime this week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I was, I had a friend who literally was, um, I met her and when we met, we both was told by a mutual friend of ours. Oh, you need to meet her. Oh, you need to meet her. Y'all need to be friends. And I hadn't met her. I, and, and our mutual friend, his name was, is Dwayne. Dwayne was like, oh, you need to meet Karen. Have you met Karen? What do you mean? I told you you needed to go to her office and meet her. And I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'll get there when I get there. I tell you, the day I walked into her office, I said, hi. I said, I'm Sergeant Rankin. And uh, Dwayne told me I needed to come meet you. And she looked up at me and she was like, hi. And both of us knew that we really did not want to talk to each other. But just to shut him up, <laughs> we agreed. Yeah. To this day, we're friends. And she would always tell me after our conversation of meeting and, and really getting to know each other. All right. Now, I know you're going through this situation. And this was when I was going through my medical of being injured and just frustrated, you know, frustrated with my body, frustrated with being hurt and just frustrated that I didn't retire before I went on that last appointment, mm -hmm. you know, so I was frustrated with the military mm -hmm. and she says, even though you're going through what you're going through, you still need to be a blessing to someone else. Mm. So I tell um, my girlfriends and my sisters, my sister in this group, I say, you know, all right, at the end of my message, you all be blessed, but more so be a blessing to someone else today. Mm. And then somebody also come back and come and say, absolutely. Don't forget to self care. Love it. And that's how we end most of our messages. I love it. Because you have to remind each other as women Self-care. Mm -hmm. You're going to do for somebody else every day without thinking about it because that's just who we are. Right. So you're being a blessing. Mm -hmm. And then some days, yeah, you just be a little selfish and not be that blessing, but you're not trying to because you're focused on getting stuff done that you right. need to get done for the day. Right. It's not being selfish. It's, it's, it's just taking it's care, care of what needs to be done. <laughs> <laughs> that's not selfish. <laughs> And you know what? By you taking care of the things that need to be done, you probably are being a blessing to somebody because you've taken care of something that somebody else doesn't have to do. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's all a matter of, of perception. Yeah. Um, perspective, I should say. So, you know, you have, you have dropped so many nuggets of, <laughs> of valuable insight today. And, um, and we're almost out of time. And so what I like to do is I like to ask everybody at the end of, of, of our conversation, if you had to... Think of like one message for the women listening. Um, and it can be anything from how do you take care of yourself to how do you live your authentic life? What, whatever strikes you as, as, as valuable, what would you say to the women listening today? That's a really good question. Because there's a couple of things. Mm -hmm. It's one, stop to get to know who you are. Mm -hmm. Take off the makeup. Take off the facade. Because 
a lot of women put it on and walk out the door. Mm -hmm. And you're somebody else when you walk out that door. Mm -hmm. But in order to be authentic and original, you got to know who you are and be happy and proud of number one, who you are, where you came from, because a lot of that facade is put on mm -hmm. because you're hiding where you came from. Mm. Interesting. Where you came from is what has made you. Right. So it may not have been the best, but still be proud of it. Yeah. Two, stop and take an hour, two hours, to sit and be by yourself, mm -hmm. to self-care. Quiet your mind if you can. Mm -hmm. Go sit in nature. God will tell you some things. Mm -hmm. yeah. He'll show you some things too. But you got to be ready and open for it. Mm -hmm. Because that's when you get to know who you are, is when you're open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Latrice, it has been an absolute pleasure. And I am so grateful, and I know the listeners are too, for, for hearing your story. Um, it's, it's, it's an inspiration. It's fun. It's, it's, it's just great. And, and I, I really thank you for your time today. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Queens of Moxie podcast. Each week we come to you with amazing women who have overcome obstacles, who are living their best life and reclaiming their moxie. We hope to see you next week.